So Proverbs chapter 14. I don't usually share share uh, the scriptures based on the time of the year or whatever. Uh, I don't tend to do that, but this time I'm making an exception. <laughs> I want to share it today on a consideration of evil, which happens to line up near Halloween, but I'm not I'm not really talking about Halloween. Okay, <laughs> so a consideration of evil uh, in Proverbs chapter 14. We will start there. Chapter 14, verse 15, 22. Sorry. So, do they not err that devise evil? But mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good. So, it's an interesting verse that says that there are people who devise evil. Think about that for a while. Their their lot in lot in life is to devise evil, and it's something that we shouldn't be um, should be should, not something we should be ignorant of that there is evil in the world. Now we looked recently. My brother was teaching on, and uh, you know that the present evil age. Well, what does that mean? That means that in this age, evil is present. That's what it means, um, and there it, it always will be until you know some of the events happen in the future and beyond that we don't know because god hasn't given us any more information beyond that uh, so we should not be shocked when we see evil in the world because it's a present evil age and there are those who devise evil and we'll look at a couple examples look at mark chapter 5 um, mark chapter 5 what we're really going to be looking at is the impacts of this evil on people and so that we're not ignorant of it and to have the same impacts to our lives Um, mark chapter 5 verse 1 and they came over onto the other side of the sea into the country of the gadarenes and when he was come out of the ship immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him no not with chains because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him. This is not just, this is evil. This is evil stuff here. This guy here is doing this. He's breaking chains. The fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. There's a very good chance that the people who lived in that area probably didn't go near this guy very often. You know, I mean, if you had any kind of sense. And all was night and day, verse 5. He was in the mountains and the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. It's a pretty dismal situation. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So Jesus ministered to this man. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered and saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. So there was more than one spirit involved here and he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding and all the disciples devils besought him saying send us into the swine that we may enter into them and forthwith jesus gave them leave and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine so they left this man all these spirits that were in him there were a lot and the herd (coughs) excuse me ran violently down a steep place 
into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled. And this is, this is incredible. And told it in the, city, in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. So this man that had been cutting himself with stones and breaking chains and probably causing some disturbance to those people, just got delivered. All the spirits were gone. Verse 15. And they came come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion. They saw this guy. They know the guy, obviously. Sitting and clothed and in his right mind. He had a sound mind. Everything was good way. And look what it says. And they were afraid. Does that make any sense to you? This guy was possessed. He was cutting himself, tearing chains off him. And when they saw that everything was okay, now they're afraid. Okay. Verse 16. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they said, can you please come and help the rest of the people in our community? Okay, that's a, that's a version that doesn't exist. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. They wanted to get rid of the guy that had dealt with this particular situation. Do you think that in this age, evil is present? Do you think that it exists? Do you think that, that, that we're surrounded by it, potentially? Like I said, we should not be surprised. Jesus wasn't surprised. <laughs> We should never be surprised. Look at uh, Luke chapter 6. There, there are way too many examples of this kind of thing in the Bible. <laughs> Maybe for a reason. Luke chapter 6. You would have thought the town would have said, Oh my goodness, Jesus, please, I can't believe this guy is well. and Let's heal some other people. No, he said, No, get out of here. We were perfectly happy with this man running around, cutting himself and Breaking the chains and causing all kinds of disturbance. Luke chapter 6, verse 6. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they could rejoice with the Lord. Sorry, I keep reading this stupid version. That they might find an accusation against him. Right? But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood up forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? These men had no understanding of the compassion and love of God. They had no idea. They were so caught up in the law of religion and the rules and regulations of life and the traditions, they could not see the truth. What do you think causes that kind of blindness in the lives of people? And looking round about upon them, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness. Does that make any sense to you? Does it make any more sense than these people who came over to this guy that was cutting himself? This guy just got use of his hand back, and these guys are filled with madness. And the other places translated rage and fury, and commune with one another what they might do to Jesus. What can we do to stop this? Do you think that evil is present in the world? Acts chapter 3. 
I told you that there are way too many examples of this. Acts chapter 3. What we're reading there is not natural. It doesn't make any sense unless you understand who's behind all of this. Acts chapter 3, verse, verse 1. Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. You guys know this record very well. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, 40 years, that's how long he'd been lame, was carried when they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Wonderful. He took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. This guy hadn't walked for 40 years. Lame. You know, and here he is hugging Peter and John, because if someone helped you walk again, I think you might give him a bit of a hug. They're all excited. Well, not, not everybody. Chapter 4, verse 14. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. you got to first ask the question why they would want to say something against it. But when they had commanded him to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, Look, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them and is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it but that it spread no further among the people let us threaten them they don't speak in his name anymore Does that makes sense none of this i'm reading records that to me make no sense <laughs> i don't understand that there's a spiritual element here we live in a present evil age we should not be surprised when evil manifests itself in the world especially when and here if you read the context here these people who are saying this are the rulers, the elders, the scribe, and Annas, and the high priest. Men who were responsible to make known the truth to the people. And they're the ones who came up and said, we can't let this go any further. We've got to stop this now. You know, um, Matthew 9. Matthew 9. In verse 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So what was Jesus Christ saying here? Was he saying that, well, I know I'm here to help everybody, but there are certain people among you that are already whole, and they don't need my help. Was that what he was saying? What he was saying, there are some here who are just not going to believe what I have to say. 
People who think they're already whole in their own eyes, they don't need me. The people who need me are the ones who know that they need a Savior. There are those, we're going to see another verse later, there, there are those who are never going to come to the truth. They think they're already whole. They think they got everything they need. And you know what? There are, there's, there's no convincing people like that of the truth. It just does not work. And we'll see that in a minute. So their evil is around. So don't, you know, th this whole idea that everybody can be saved is not true. Biblically, it is not true. There are some people who are never going to believe. So when Jesus Christ said that, he was like, yeah, I know you, you guys are already whole. I know you don't need me. You know what he was saying, really? But he was saying those that are sick are the ones who need me. Um, it's interesting. So who are these people? Well, they're around. We saw them already in a few other records. Trying to stop, shut things down, block things. They're definitely around. Okay, verse chapter 13 of Matthew. Matthew 13. Verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath these tares? And some of the other translations translate that as weeds. He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Well, will you then that we go and gather them up? He goes, No. But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you will root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles, and burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. And then down in verse 36, when he explains this parable to them, then Jesus sent the multitude away and went on to the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, uh, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. What were you talking about, Jesus? He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Children of the wicked one. These people exist <laughs> not just some kind of fictional thing these people exist the enemy that sowed them verse 39 is the devil so we know who's behind it the harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire so shall it be at the end of this world or the close out of the age is really what it says the son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth, and so forth. You see, these people exist. They live, they devise evil, they live to do evil. Their, their, their sole purpose in life is shut down the gospel. So people can't hear it. They don't, they don't get a chance to hear. You know, if you read the book of Revelation, if you look, look through some of the things that happened, what Jesus Christ is talking about here, there are records where untold you know, terrors are taking place in the world upon the lives of people. 
you know, horrible things are happening to these people, and they still refuse to accept Jesus Christ. So you think that there are people who are not around today that are never going to... Absolutely. Not everybody's going to accept. I mean, God's desire certainly is, is to, as we heard today, that to have all men saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. We know that. But are they all going to? No. That's not going to happen. Evil exists. Um, and we should not be blind to that fact. John chapter 3. Here are these men here I talked about earlier. John chapter 3. When you're reading through God's Word, I know you've, you've seen it. There's lots of, lots of references to these folks. But we don't want to be ignorant of it. We want to be sure that we're clear on the possible impact it could have on our lives. So we're alert to it. John chapter 3 verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light. Think about that. Men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. They that are whole, they don't need a physician. They're not going to ask for a doctor. They're not going to have, because they don't want their deeds to be exposed. These people exist. They're around. First Thessalonians. Paul came across some of these guys too. First Thessalonians chapter 2. So he warned the Thessalonians about it. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 14. For ye brethren became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they might be saved. That's an interesting verse, and I, did, and I thought about it. I'm not sure 100% what it means, but was it that these evil people knew that if they heard these words, they would be saved? So they themselves didn't want to hear the words and be saved, but they knew that the words would save them? Or was it just a reference to not wanting to get, you know what I'm saying, that it's just saying that these people wouldn't get saved? I don't know. All I know is that the whole point of it was that they wouldn't hear the truth and that they could be saved. To fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. They were trying to stop people from being saved. You know, uh, just like those men we saw in Acts. Well, that was a really amazing miracle. He's 40 years old, hadn't walked. But he's walking now. But you know what? Let's, let's shut this down. We don't want other people to get saved, other people to be healed. See the same, you, see, you, see, you, see, you see the same characteristics of, these, of this evil that exists. And you'll see that one of the largest attributes and characteristics of, of it is to stop people from hearing the truth of the gospel. Time and time again. If you, you, know, you know life of Paul, these birds followed him around everywhere he went. Okay, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I know, it's all just depressing stuff. 
Second Corinthians chapter 4. But here's God in His mercy and grace has revealed all of this to us. Jesus Christ came so that He may reveal the kingdom of the adversary. He came to let us know about this stuff. So we should not remain ignorant of it. We see evil in the world, you know, we, we, I mean, our response can't be, oh, I can't believe that happened. Well, <laughs> you can, I can. The Word of God tells us that. You know, so we should, it shouldn't be a surprise to us. We should be able to handle these situations, how evil they might be, whatever they are, whatever the circumstances are, we should be able to handle them with faith, with believing in our God. We should be able to handle that. You know, it's all written here for us. Second Corinthians 4, 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom, these people who can't hear it, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. That's his, that's his purpose. Remember, the enemy hath done this. He is the one who sowed the tares. They're the ones who don't want their evil deeds to be revealed by the light. Hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, Patrick, you were talking about the image of God, image of God should shine up onto them. That's, that's, what, that's the purpose. He blinds their minds so they don't hear the gospel. And we saw these men exist. These people exist. And they were around the Lord Jesus Christ. They were around Paul. They're, they're around today. They exist. They, they will not, they're, they're, purpose and you know it may, it may be shrouded in all other kinds of purposes you know let's not have so and so pray at certain events let's not have so and so do this or do that or let's eliminate this curriculum from the schools or whatever whatever guise or form it ends up taking but the end result is the same so people don't hear the truth of the gospel so it kind of gives you some indication of how important your life is to God how important it is that you're willing despite the stuff and the gnaws that are around you, to make the gospel known. Look at uh, Jude chapter 1. This is a sad book. I could have just said Jude. It's only one chapter. Which, by the way, as a software engineer, I... A real problem with the books that don't have any chapters or verses because if you're writing software and you're always counting on a chapter to be there well Jude and I think it's Obadiah or something don't have any they go oh man I've got to handle that case but that's okay Jude chap no chapters <laughs> um, verse 1 Jude the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to them and are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied <laughs> beloved when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints for there are certain men crept in unawares there you go certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They deny both God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even the angels are in on this business. 
even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers, and some interesting terms used here for these people, these defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. They have no interest in authority. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not against him a railing accusation, did not bring a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuked you. See, even Michael was smart enough to know that he shouldn't deal directly with the people who were behind this. He said, I'll let God deal with it. So they were not, we're not just talking about here some very, you know, simple evil here, simple, uncoordinated, basic evil. Oh, I, I, you almost had me there. No, we're talking about orchestrated. We know that Jesus Christ defeated the kingdom of the adversary, didn't he? Yeah. Is it still here, though? Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's still here. But we know he won the victory over it, but it still exists. Here we get a little bit of an inclination into it. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. But these speak, uh, these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, animals. In those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. <laughs> the, the, you know, the first kid born. That's interesting, isn't it? The first kid born is now referred to as an example of the way of this kind of evil. Very interesting. And ran greedily after the error of Balaam. You know all about Balaam, our wonderful conversationist with donkeys. You know, for reward. He was getting Israel involved in idolatry. And that was something God despised. And perished in the gainsaying of Korah, those guys who opposed Moses and the priesthood. They wanted to do more when God had said no, and the earth opened up and swallowed them. These are all examples of the kind of men and people that exist in the world that will always be around, the tares sown by the adversary that are around to affect the believer from not getting the gospel for themselves and to others. These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds without water. Cloud without water is useless. Empty, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withered, without fruit. They don't yield anything useful. Twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Boy, this is some pretty heavy language here, referring to these people. Don't take it lightly. Is, is what I, I, I translate this as, don't take this lightly. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Wow. And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, you know, most of Enoch's prophecy has to do with these people. If you go back in the Old Testament, read his prophecies, they have to do with these people. Behold, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Ungodly used four times in the same verse. I think God's trying to make a point. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouths speaking great swelling words, having men's 
persons in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of the Lord Jesus of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time who should walk who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Right. We're talking about some pretty hefty evil here. Um, and you can read Second Peter chapter one as well, all of it, if you want to see a little more about that kind of stuff. But let's go to Proverbs four, a few more verses here. I think it's pretty clear from the scriptures that evil is present and will be until Jesus Christ's return and and the events that follow after the day of the of the Lord and so forth. Four chapter four, chapter Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 16. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief. And their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness, and drink the wine of violence. Now, if you jump back two verses, we have some good advice for us as the believers. Verse 14. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. That verse is full of so much understanding when it comes to this sort of wickedness. You know, one thing that you never want to do in this life is have any kind of fascination for evil. You don't. You do not want to go down that road. Jesus. I mean, sort the, the when Jesus Christ confronted these people, and he did it many, many times. He didn't start up conversations with them and start talking. Well, how's the evil? How's your evil business going or anything? No, he just dealt with it immediately. Here, when when God's God's advice is not to. Well, take a look at it. You can handle it. He goes. Don't even, you see it? You turn around. You walk the other way. Oh, but it's just a harmless horoscope. It's just a, you turn around, you walk the other way. If you think you can handle it, you're already deceived. You can't handle it without God. You cannot handle it without what Jesus Christ has done for you. If you think you can, you're foolish and you're deceived. Think about this, okay? What kind of evil power does it take, do you think, to convince somebody to give up paradise? What does it take? If you're in paradise, there's no problems, no issues. Everything's just absolutely wonderful. You would think you could never get talked out of it. Was man talked out of it? Absolutely. So do you think that you can handle it? No, we can't handle it. It says we have the victory through Jesus Christ, not by our own ability. So God's advice here in Proverbs is really good. Don't even think about it. Yeah, but I can handle movies like that. Oh, you think you can. You're wrong. You can't. Right? So why, why, why give yourself that challenge in your life? Why do it when God's advice is turn around and walk away? That's good advice. I've thought about that many times in my life. First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. You don't play with this kind of stuff. You read about. We just looked at briefly at the kind of people, kind of people that we're talking about here, and the kind of evil that's around. It's not to be taken lightly. 
First Peter, we don't know everything that happened in the garden. We don't. I mean, we're only given an indication of, of a couple of conversations that the serpent had with Eve. We don't know what all what it all involved. I, I will. I do assure you, it did not involve the serpent coming to her and saying, "I'm the serpent. I'm going to crush you and destroy you. If you believe me, you'll have nothing." No. Who's going to believe that kind of nonsense? You know. But we do see a little inkling of it. Well, did Adam? Did God really say that, or was it just Adam? I don't know. You know, we could, that could be a, that could be something we could talk about. What should Eve have done? Turned around, walk away. What should she do? Well, she started talking to him. But it wasn't any kind of conversation that was like he was all open and evil. I mean, he says, you know, he was, he's the angel of light, right? He brings, and his ministers are angels of, ministers of righteousness. You got people preaching the gospel who are among those men. Wouldn't that be a best way to deceive people? Right? So, you know, we know, so we, we think, you know, to talk, talk her out of it, that's pretty impressive evil. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. The context here is talking about elders and those who also are, are, are being taught by elders and so forth. But so to both of them, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him or anxieties upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, not dull, ignorant, thinking you can handle it. Be sober and vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. This is a reality. This is truth. This is what's going on in the world. You know, sometimes we get a little down about things that happen to believers. Well, it's a spiritual battle. We know that. It's not just some physical contest. So here, God's advice again. Be sober. Be vigilant. Verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. We're to resist him by believing rightly. And how do you know what to believe rightly? The scriptures, the scriptures, the scriptures, the scriptures, the word of God, and all the examples we saw where all they were trying to do was make sure that those scriptures didn't get to the people. Very simple. What did Jesus Christ use to turn down the devil? He didn't even, it was words that were written a couple of thousand years ago before that happened. And he was able to bring those out and use them to turn back the devil himself. The scriptures, the scriptures. Second Corinthians chapter 10. A few more references here to, to consider. Scriptures, the scriptures. When, when the church was in demise at the end of Paul's life, what did Paul say to Timothy? Preach, exhort, preach, preach. Make sure you read regularly. Don't stop doing that. Verse chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, verse 1. Now, Paul, myself, be beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with you, without confidence wherewith I think to be bold, against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. You know, people just think that what we do here, it's all by the flesh, feelings, five senses. That's the way people look at you. For though we walk in the flesh, you know, we're living in the world here. We live here day by day. We live lives. We have jobs. We go out and come in and do all these things. We do not war after the flesh. We live that way, but the war that we have is not after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now you may think, you may think that and consider that what you have to bring to this battle is small compared to what we're surrounded by. You know, whether it's governmental authorities, culture, society, and all the things that are constantly trying to encroach on all the things that you hold to be sacred and true. The attack of immorality on, on the scriptures and so forth. Yet according to the verses we read here, it says that what you bring, the gospel, your knowledge of the gospel, a prayer, a walk with God by the Spirit is mighty through God to the pulling down of these mental strongholds, these reasonings, the systematic error that's in society. It's mighty through God to pull that down. Your prayers are worth more than a hundred petitions you may ever sign. Not that I'm advocating you don't sign petitions and all that, but recognize what you bring to the spiritual battle. It's far more vital, far more important according to the scriptures than anything physical. It says it right there. Our battle is not a five senses physical battle. You cannot defeat a spiritual enemy with physical tools. You can't do it. It's impossible. In fact, the adversary would like nothing more than for you to try to do that and waste your whole life trying to do that when here you are armed with the gospel, prayer, and walk by the Spirit of God to combat and to bring down what God says here are strongholds. All human reasonings, the reasonings of the world, to bring them down to the ground. When, when, when Jesus Christ was approached by, by the devil, what did he say to him? It is written. He says, well, how about this? It is written. Well, how about, it is written. And then the devil left. Did, did he say, well, you know, based on local social knowledge here, you always bring, let's, let's take a survey. No, he didn't, you know, whatever things man tries to do. I'm not saying his harm in those things, but recognize what you as a believer bring to the spiritual contest. We'll close in, not actually, one more, a couple more verses. Matthew chapter 13, we have to read this. Matthew 13. The devil would like nothing more than for you to think that you're small and insignificant and you bring nothing while you're in the eyes of God. You are precious. You are placed in the body where God wanted you. Your unique talents, what you bring, exactly where God put you. Don't you ever let anybody ever tell you, and it's only the adversaries. Who else is going to accuse us? You know, you can read Romans chapter 8. It's not God or Jesus Christ or anybody. It's going to be the adversary. Going to convince you that you're nothing. You, you know, you've tried to do this multiple times. You've never succeeded. You have this problem. You have that. Problem. It'll just go on and on and on and on. What does the proverb say? Turn around and walk away. Don't even give it the time of day in your life. Give the scriptures the time of day in your life. Matthew 13. You know this. 13. And this is again. This this is this is a telling parable. We should never forget this one. We shouldn't forget any of them. 13:3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some fell, seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came up and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. 
and some fell upon among thorns, and thorns sprung up and choked them. Other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. To have ears to hear, let him hear. Good point. Verse 18, again, where Jesus Christ explains it to us. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one. He does not even give that guy a chance to understand it. That's how important the scriptures are. That's how important the gospel is. It's because he knows that when you understand it, that you might actually believe it and might tell somebody else about it. You might actually apply it. He doesn't want to give it that chance. When you speak the word, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. And he that receiveth the seed into stony places, this, you know, the same as he that heareth the word and anon with joy receives it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended because of the word. And then the other one, he that also receives seed among the thorns, he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. You know, and, and these categories, what Jesus Christ was talking about here, you know, th this is a regular daily occurrence in your life. This isn't something that's tried once on your life and then you're let, left to rest. It's all the time. It's every single day of your life. You know, you might think, oh, well, you know, that appointment came up by accident, by chance. It just happens. It just happens that now I can no longer study the scriptures when I regularly use it at that time. Or this happened to this person. I told them this, but they couldn't make it. And they got a phone call and their friend was this and this. You might think all those things, but we just read who plants the tares. We just read what the main purpose of that terror plant, terror planter is. <laughs> terror planter, terror planter. You know, we know what that purpose is, is to blind the minds of those so they can't hear the gospel. So you might think, oh, that doctor's appointment came up, or this job came up, or that came up, when I normally would, you know, spend time fellowshipping or hear God's word or study God's word or pray or whatever. This came up, I can no longer do this. And you might convince yourself, it's just things that are happening in the physical world that have caused me to no longer have access to the scriptures that I might have had that time. Think again. Be wise, be sober, be vigilant as to what the adversary will try to do to our lives because he knows the power of Scripture. He understands it better than most Christians do, unfortunately. You know, turn around, walk away. Basically, I mean, we see it in other ways, redeeming the time, all the other things that are used about how you fight for your time in the Scriptures. You fight for that time because... There's going to be a lot of fight against it. And we'll close in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6. Sorry, a bit long today, but a lot to cover. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll close there. Verse 10. Be strong, my finally, my brethren. And again, we could talk a whole time about what finally means here. You know, when everything God has accomplished, all spiritual blessings, He did in the heavenlies. You know, all that you've gotten, not by works you've done, but by grace. And all the things that Paul has covered here in Ephesians. And then he tells you to walk. And because of all these wonderful things, filled with the fullness of God, and all things, you know, above that you could ask or think, you can go on and on. Finally, because of all that, 
be strong in the Lord. It's got nothing to do with you. We, I didn't, you know, we didn't earn our salvation. It's got nothing to do with you. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Right? That's where. That's the one. That's the guy who can handle this fight. Not you. Not me. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And we read, we looked recently, you know, a few times over the fellowships about his ministry, the ministry that he has now, seated at God's right hand, you know, the high priest, the intercessor, the mediator, the protector, the shepherd, the bishop of our souls, and it goes on and on. Like these are things that he's doing. That's why we can we can take advantage of that and be strong in that might, and not say, well, I can handle this. Oh yeah. Keep thinking. Think again. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is kind of what we've been looking at the whole day today. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness from on high. These guys are not fooling around. They're not messing around. They will eliminate you and take you out first chance they get. Wherefore, Take on to you the whole armor of God, second time, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, here it is, the armor, having your loins girt about with truth. <laughs> truth. What do you put in the, the most vulnerable part of the body? What do you put in there? Truth. You, you put truth around. What's truth? Word of God. Thy, thy word is true. That's what you put there. That's what will protect you, the most vulnerable part of your life. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, because like I said, the, one, the only one that's ever going to accuse you is the him, is the adversary. Jesus Christ and God, they're not going to accuse you. So put on the breastplate of righteousness. Who bought us the righteousness? Christ. Be strong in the Lord. Power of His might. He bought it for us. Don't let anybody ever talk you down. Say, you can't do this, you can't do that, or you're worth nothing, and all that junk people throw at you. Uh, having on the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. First you put on the, the uh, truth on your loins, the most vulnerable part. Then you believe the righteousness that Jesus Christ has bought for you, the written word. And then, by the way, along, around your feet, wherever you go, you bring the gospel. You kind of get a theme here, don't we? What's the theme? The scriptures, the scriptures, the scriptures, the word of God, the word of God. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith. How do you learn to believe? What do you believe? The scriptures, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which, by the way, is also the word of God. There's a theme here you cannot ignore. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. See, there it is time and time. The Scriptures, the Spirit of God, prayer, all the things, the spiritual tools that we bring to the battlefield that we're surrounded with every single day. You know, it's good advice. We cannot handle it on our own. Did that behold need not a physician? We know that. But we're only whole because of the physician. We have to recognize that in our lives. Without him, we can't handle it. His continuing ministry, all the things that he does for us, are at our disposal every day. We know he triumphed over all the power of the enemy. And we know that they're being brought to naught as the end of the ages approaches. But does that mean that we cannot be impacted by it today? Of course not. We know we have the final victory, but does that mean that we can't be tricked today? 
course we can. Great men have. Great men. I've seen men go down. Even people that I've known, close associates, go down from believing the gospel by being tricked. So we're not beyond that. So how important, how important the scriptures, the spirit of God and prayer in our lives is, is something that is more important than we may even realize in our lives. So uh, a little, little bit of a consideration of evil and not to consider evil because we're supposed to walk away from it, but to recognize how Jesus Christ has won us the victory over it, but we do not, we cannot be complacent in our day-by-day lives.